Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Greetings and happy 4th of July to all of you out there. Welcome back to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. I am, as always, Jason A. Meiske, your host. Man, I am... I am behind schedule this time. <laughs> I have a lot going on. Uh, I'm actually late for an appointment and then I uh, got to head out of here pretty quick. So uh, I'm just going to get right into it today and uh, we'll get you on over to the interview right away because it's a good one. You're going to love it. And we have a special offer. So let me get on over to our thank yous real fast. So as always, I want to thank Podcast Garden uh, for being our host site for this show and many, many others like us. If you're interested in other podcasts, they have a wide variety to listen to. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, you can do so that first month for free. So check it out at podcastgarden.com. I also want to thank you Store All of Warrensburg, Missouri. If you are looking for self-storage, needing a place to store your goods for a while as you move or change houses, whatever you're looking for, you Store All is the absolute most secure and best place in the Warrensburg area that you can find. Entire facility is fenced in, it's gated access, well lit all night long, and they have more than 40 cameras recording 24 hours a day. They have climate control, there's non-climate control. They can pretty well fit just about all of your needs. So make sure that you check them out. Give them a call or check them out online at ustoral.net. That is the letter U. S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. So, uh, like I said, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of other things today. I want to get us on over to our interview. Uh, today's guest, I am so excited for. So, so, so excited. Uh, it, you know, the man really needs no introduction. It's Craig Martell, international bestseller, author extraordinaire. Man, I mean, you know, you just say, you say Craig Martell, and what comes to mind? Would it be Nomad Found? Would it be Assignment Dark Landing? Is it the Free Trader in Times Alaska? He has 12 different series to pick from. So who knows what might be coming to mind whenever you hear the name of author Craig Martell. I mean, no doubt about it. You pick up one of his books, you are going to be hooked right away. And I had the absolute joy today get to get to spend a few minutes talking to him. Uh, you know, I got to, uh, when I was in the service, I was stationed in Alaska, so right near his home. So we had a little bit of catching up to do, some things we could do or talk about that uh, I knew about and he knew about, and that was a lot of fun for me. But just talking about all of his books, his writing methods, uh, the series that he's got going on. And then we got to finish it up with, his. he, uh, he reads us a chapter from Bad Company 1, which Hold on to this. Are you, I hope you're sitting down. Are you ready? This book is free for the next few days. So from right now, July 3rd to July 6th, check out this episode. Hear the first chapter read to you by Craig Martell himself. And then get your butt on over to Amazon and grab this thing. It's free for only a few more days. So this is a first for our show. I am so excited about it. I'm going to go ahead and get you on over to our interview with Craig Martell. And then you can go get your book. Have a happy and safe fourth, everyone. Hey, 
Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Uh, today, it's a unique day for me. Uh, I mean, we are recording the episode, and then it's going to be followed right up by... I'm going to put this up on the air here pretty quick this afternoon, so you're going to be hearing this really fast. Um, and, you know, I guess it's uh, fortuitous that today's guest is... Uh, you know, it's 4th of July, and today's guest is a uh, former Marine and international bestseller, Craig Martell. Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be on, Jason. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm really happy to have you here. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay, hey, retired uh, Marine, and as most Marines, uh, once I retired, I decided hey, I need to uh, decide what I want to do when I grow up. So I went to law school, <clears throat> got a law degree, went into business consulting, and uh, was doing really well in that, but I was gone uh, more than half of my life uh, from home, and I, I didn't want to do that anymore. So at 52, I retired from that and uh, started writing full-time, and I have been writing full-time ever since. It's been almost three years now, and uh, <clears throat> I have a, a, a couple uh, books published, uh, been fairly successful, and uh, continue moving forward. <laughs> You're being extremely modest uh, about uh, a few books published. So do you, uh, do you know uh, what your numbers are? Like how many books have you done? At, at last count, it was, uh, I think, 59 that had my name on it, uh, and I think 36 of those I personally wrote in in, in entirety. Uh, I do have some collaborations, but uh, yeah, yeah, I have a, I have a number of books. I, uh, I I I have a dozen different series actually. Wow, yeah, I was going through your Amazon page and just trying to grasp how big it's it, you've grown, and uh, it, yeah, with your. The, the Terry Henry Walton Chronicles, uh, you got Simon Dark Landing, Free Traders, End Times Alaska's, uh, and then of course we were just talking about the Cygnus series with the Talking Cats. Where do you get your inspiration? You have so many series. <clears throat> a, a, a serial reader ever since I was a, a child. I'm a child of the 60s, so I, uh, my brother's about eight years older than me. And he got TV privileges, so he watched the new Star Trek when it came out. We're talking 60s. Yeah. The brand new Star Trek had uh, Kirk and McCoy and, and Spock. Mm -hmm. And so I watched those, and those were amazing. I love science fiction. Well, he had a science fiction collection, the Daw, the the books that flipped over that you could, uh, a different book on each side. Yeah. And so I started reading those when I was probably eight or nine. And I'm reading these science fiction books because he had a big collection. And then uh, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and uh, Robert E. Howard read all of the fantasy, uh, uh, the, the the sword and sorcery kind of books. And so I've been a fan forever. Uh, I go in the Marine Corps, and uh, you served, you know, hurry up and wait. Yeah. Well, you're sitting around doing nothing, uh, and, and what do you do? Well, you read. And especially I was uh, with uh, Signals Intelligence Units. So we weren't, uh, we weren't ones for sitting around and doing nothing. We couldn't just sit there and be idle. Uh, not that other folks enjoyed that, but uh, I think we enjoyed it even less because our minds had to be actively engaged just for what I, we did as part of our jobs. So uh, always read. Uh, in the, and that was the era of the paperbacks. Everybody brought one or two paperbacks, and you just swapped them throughout the unit. So you'd read uh, appointment. You'd read 20 or 30 books, mm -hmm. except for the guys that uh, read horror and stupid stuff. <laughs> Nobody swapped with them. So, but the but the science fiction crowd that was probably two thirds of uh, the guys who lived science fiction. Yeah. As uh, signals intelligence uh, kind of people. Okay, that's awesome. And, I mean, and you've got quite the variety. I mean, with with the 
End Times Alaska, you got, uh, with that all going on, and then, the, like I said, the Talking Cats, uh, Space Opera, uh, I mean, just such a variety. Uh, and then to add to that here, recently you had a nonfiction book that you put out. Uh, the, uh, how to become a successful indie author. Uh, what was your, uh, how did that come about? That's, I, I, I do a lot of work on the, uh, 20 books to 50 K Facebook group and I consolidated a number of my posts. And then I also just added, uh, here's, here's my diatribes as I talk about things and go step by step through other, uh, elements of, of publishing, of uh, self-publishing. It was to forestall questions. Because I get an awful lot of uh, private messages, direct messages, and emails saying, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? So I, I did it for my own sanity, for my own uh, time management to help out folks. So uh, I wrote that book. I priced it at $4.99. Uh, I made a little money off it, but then I spent all of that on a, a luncheon for 20 bookers in uh, in Pittsburgh. So we had, I think, 31 people come and, and show up. We had the uh, complete board for the science fiction fantasy writers of America show up to that luncheon and then talk to the people as well. So they got a great uh, uh, opportunity to meet a bunch of traditionally published and successful authors, as well as uh, us knuckleheads, uh, me and Michael Ander. It's a fantastic group. Uh, I'm a member of it. And I guess uh, for the for the listeners who may not be aware of it, let us know uh, what the 20 books is. Uh, 20 books of 50K was... Uh, a premise that Michael Anderley had after he published three books, he was looking, they were making about seven fifty a day. And, uh, you know, if you look and you say a book, two ninety nine, seven fifty, okay, you got to sell like four copies and there you are, you can make, uh, you can make money. Well, at seven fifty a day, you multiply that times 20, you multiply that by 365. And now you've got $50,000 in Cabo San Lucas, which is where Michael was looking at uh, retiring. For fifty thousand, you can live really well. You only need about thirty-five. Mm-hmm. So he said, "Hey, twenty books to fifty k, and I can retire." Well, it, by his fourth book, he I think he made forty thousand dollars his his fourth month publishing in his fourth book, and uh, it, a significant difference because it's not uh, it's not linear. You don't make seven fifty a day. You make a thousand a day, and then two days later, you're making forty eight dollars. Mm-hmm. So. It just depends on your marketing and your approach and and, uh, uh, and new books. Nothing sells the last book like the next book. Uh, that's a, that's my saying, and I, I like that. So I, I do publish quickly. And it's easier to sell, what, 10 books to one person than it is 10 books to 10 different people. Mm-hmm. So uh, how, do you, how do you maximize your uh, revenue streams, your profitability? And that's uh, 20 books to 50K then became an ideal of success. Not that you can publish 20 books that are willy-nilly and you'll make $50,000. Not not at all. Uh, if you have uh, uh, one bad book and you turn it into 20 bad books, uh, you're going to have 20 bad books and not make anything. You need to build on it. You need to build your readership. So there's a whole a whole methodology, and there's no one right way. So that's what the 20 books of 50K is about. Is It's all these different ways. We call it a smorgasbord. You pick and choose what works for you. People go on there. What they do is they just say, hey, this worked for me, or I tried this and it didn't work. And so the other uh, members, they can look at that and say, oh, I I think I can try this. Oh, I see why that didn't work. Let me try it, but with a twist. And uh, everybody likes a a vodka martini with a twist. So (laughs) you you turn that into a different level of profitability, a different revenue stream, and, uh, and you move forward. 
That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, like I said, it's a fantastic group. I, I've made a couple posts and had some fantastic advice from from different people, and it's uh, I love the way everybody's so willing to help. So, what advice would you give? Um, I mean, our show is is really intended for readers, but I do know of a lot of authors that are listening to uh, to each episode. What advice would you uh, would you give a an author who's trying to get that first book done? Write every day. When I first started, I I didn't write until I wrote full time. And so I started, I'm like, I always want to write a book. Let me write a book. So me, I'm, I'm, I'm goal oriented. So my goal was a thousand words a day. I didn't know how long a book was. You can buy a book in the store and you look at it and you have no idea how many words are in here. All you have is pages. Well, you look, some have small fonts, some have big fonts. So page count is irrelevant too. Be, depends on the size of the font. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me write a couple days and then guesstimate. So I wrote a couple. And I got like 500 words a day. And I'm like, oh, hey, those weren't bad days. So let me set a goal of a 1,000 because I'm an overachiever, right? <laughs> so a 1,000 words. Come on, you slacker. Give me a 1,000 words. And then I realized that when the story's flowing, you can do a 1,000 words in less than an hour. Right. So uh, uh, I write every day. It's very, very important to me to write every single day, no matter what. Even if a scene is really boring, you're describing a nondescript building. Because that's a setup for something really important that's going to happen later. Well, you have to power through that. You have to reread it and say, wow, this really sucks. And then you have to change it. You can't get there if you're just going to sit and think about it and say, well, let me think about how to write that for as long as it takes. So for me personally, I, I do better if I just power through writing it and then go back and edit it. Even if I change every single it's still so much easier to see it and adjust than it is to sit back and think about it, because the more I think about it, the less likely I am to put my fingers on the keyboard. And and I haven't done that. I've actually, uh, I keep track of every word I write. Hmm. And, and let me bring this up. I have written for exactly 1,003 days straight. <clears throat> and I average, my average over that time is uh, 2,702 words per day. Hmm. So it, if you, uh, I've had some days where I've written 10,000, 10,000 words. And that's okay. But the next day, I guarantee I'm going to get like 500 or 1,000. It, it's a burn. 2,700 every day allows me to uh, publish a great number of books and have high-quality words. I'm not jamming 1,500 words an hour. I'm probably only getting about 500 words an hour, but that's because I go back. I edit as I go. Mm -hmm. So they're 500 good words. So and, and I'm at the computer 12 to 14 hours every single day, seven days a week, yeah. much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> That's great advice, though, still, and, and you're definitely a good standard for people to reach for because it's writing every day. You're putting out, I think it's an average of a book and a half a month. Uh, I saw your post here recently about the thousand days, and when you cross that threshold of writing full-time, that was awesome. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's it's fantastic advice. Uh, I definitely agree with that. So what uh, what is coming soon uh, from, from Craig Martell? I am finishing up. I've got the. I've got it on the other screen. Uh, Free Trader Nine. <clears throat> I'm. I'm writing the climax right now. The end of it. Uh, so that'll come out about forty thousand words. So it's a little shorter. Forty thousand words. Sifwa uh, uh, calls that a novel, a full length novel. So forty thousand is what I'm shooting for, as opposed to a novella, which is a little shorter. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I'll have that done. I think probably uh, uh, later today or maybe tomorrow. Finish that whole, and that's that whole series. 
Uh, Cygnus Space Opera is the follow-on to that, and although there's three books out, it is not done. There's more books to come because it's uh, kind of left them hanging a little bit after book three. And Cygnus uh, 1 actually has a, a bookbub feature deal today. It's on sale for 99 cents. Free Trader 1 is on sale for 99 cents as well this week to uh, hopefully get people into the series and looking and, and ready for number nine when it comes out probably 10 to 14 days from now. It'll uh, be through my editor, through my beta readers, and uh, it'll be published. I've had the cover for almost two years, and finally I'll get to use it. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy with that, finally. That's great. Where can, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, CraigMartell.com, C-R-A-I-G-M-A-R-T-E-L-L-E.com. That's my website. We have all the uh, books. We have the series set up. It's uh, it, it's uh, you'd be able to sign up for the newsletter. I, I uh, my blog didn't transfer over from the old website, uh, so I'm starting new blogs. I published uh, one last week. Mm. I think the first uh, uh, page of Judge, Jury, and Executioner Book Two, which is up next. If I finish Free Trader Nine uh, tomorrow then I will start Judge, Jury, and Executioner 2 tomorrow. I I, book, I go one book after another. And also, uh, at this point in my career, I've got over 2.7 million published words. When I type the end, I attach it to an email and send it to my editor. I, uh, my rereading is done. I edit as I go. So I uh, I don't sit on it and then go back through it a week down the road and, and mentally masturbate over uh, some kind of terminology or or some kind of phraseology. Uh, I sent it to my editor who has edited, oh geez, uh, 30 of my books so far, 30 or 40 books. And, uh, uh, she'll clean it up for me, even though it doesn't take that much. Uh, usually it's, uh, adding commas and, and capitalization, which I have great disdain for both, uh, uh, commas and capitalization. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and then it'll come out and then the beta readers will be the ones who really, uh, double check it and say, whoa, come on. This, this, this part takes me out of the story. And then I'll go back. If I have to rewrite a part, I'll do that uh, based on their input. And I'll, and my editor as well, she'll catch that because uh, uh, she's used to reading my stuff. So she'll she'll catch continuity issues and, and uh, stuff that's unclear. I, I, uh, I want a certain flow. I want a certain tempo. And uh, they help me maintain that. Great. That's fantastic. Uh, what, uh, what book are we hearing from you today? The Bad Company. That was... Uh, when Michael Anderley, in, in September of 2016, Michael Anderley got a hold of me and said, hey, can you help me uh, with my with my series? I've got a 150-year gap. It's post-apocalyptic, uh, and the lead character is a Marine. So since you're a Marine and you've written post-apocalyptic, my End Times Alaska series had just come off the bestseller list. Uh, August was a huge, huge month for me for uh, for the End Times Alaska series. The three books were out, and they were killing it. So... Uh, uh, he asked, and I'm like, sure, I, I'd love to try that. So and he's like, let's plan for four books. And uh, 11 books later, we finally <laughs> wrapped that series up. And uh, I'm like, hey, I want to I want to write space opera. And uh, he said, sure, let's uh, let's write space opera here. I, 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 I wrote in my book, The Bad Company, and we can make an offshoot from there. And I said, well, let's take my, my post-apocalyptic characters to space. Uh, so... We did that, so the same characters. Now I'm uh, 17 books in on that series that was supposed to be four, and uh, but it's space opera now, so I get to do that. And the the, the transition, I made the transition fairly harsh uh, from a uh, a post apocalyptic uh, space 
uh, operatic kind of uh, relationship where you had these characters and the interaction between the characters was key. The science was was limited. And we go to space. Well, what I wanted to do was set up for military science fiction with a, a the first book of nothing but action. And, and I did that. And uh, it it did pretty well. I got I got slaughtered on some reviews from people like, what the hell, man? All they're doing is fighting and killing people. Uh, uh, yes, yes, they are. Uh, good observation. So I, so I did lose some readers that way because of going hard sci-fi, uh, hard military sci-fi. But then I picked up a whole new readership because I worked with some other science fiction authors for some newsletter swaps and things like that. And that series has been has done pretty well. But the Judge, Jury, and Executioner uh, series has uh, doubled that already. So that uh, that will get my new attention. And Bad Company 5 will eventually come. But uh, this is Bad Company 1. It'll lead into uh, three other books, a good series. Uh, this one is hard military sci-fi, but the next three uh, lighten up on the military side a little bit based on feedback from the first one that uh, I, I didn't want to alienate the readership. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring in new readership. So okay. and as get this, a good plan uh, of both. As this is Bad Company 1, is this uh, also one of yours that are uh, 99 cents right now? It uh, Bad Company 1 is free. Oh. Free through uh, <laughs> July 6th. Free. Fantastic. <clears throat> to buy. And, and it's always in Kindle Unlimited. So if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, you can read any of my books except uh, Cygnus Rising, which is 99 cents. I had to do that to get a book book uh, feature deal. But uh, Free Trader 1, End Times Alaska 1 is 99 cents. Cygnus Rising is 99 cents. Bad Company 1 is free. This book is free uh, through Friday. So if you hear it today, jump on uh, uh, to search. If you search Bad Company on Amazon, you're going to get an awful lot of music. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to find just go Bad Company Martell, and uh, then you'll, uh, you'll it'll come right up for you. There we go. Yeah, and I'll make sure and put a link in the show notes for that as well, so we can okay. get right over to it. <laughs> so people aren't downloading Bad Company Music saying, hey, I was expecting a book. You said it was free. <clears throat> oh, yeah. that's That's fun. Hey, uh, Craig, this has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed talking to you, and uh, being as I, I lived in Alaska for a while, I'm sure we could probably talk for hours, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe we can, uh, I would love to have you back someday again, and... Uh, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, Jason. I really appreciate it, man. Always uh, like talking about Alaska, especially with someone who's been here. You know what it's like when it's light for 24 hours and also when it's dark for 24 hours or dark for 20 hours. <laughs> and down at Isleson, you get winds. Uh, up here where we are, we're north of Fairbanks. We're in some hills. Uh, we don't get the wind anything like uh, Isleson uh, going on to Delta Junction. Whole crap. Uh, the temperature will change. It'll be up here. It'll be cold up here, like minus 30. But at Isleson, the wind chill will be like minus 55, enough to melt your brain. Yep. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I don't envy anybody living down there at, at, in Salcha. Yeah, my uh, my first winter there in uh, January of 91, I worked nights, 12-hour shifts overnight, and so I, I went almost a week without seeing the day. The, the daylight at all and i think i i think my personal record was 18 hours of solid sleep because i didn't know what else to do <laughs> there you go there you go so anyway all right well uh ladies and gentlemen uh <coughs> so we don't get to talking again i'm gonna hand it over to craig martell with bad company one get it free as soon as you get done hearing from him okay uh the bad company
An explosion sounded and plasma fire flashed before his eyes. Hidden in a remote corner of the Pan Galaxy, Nathan Lowell sat in his private office looking at the video communication screen. The president of the bad company frowned. His direct action branch was engaged, and not in a good way. Nathan slowly shook his head as he watched. Thirty-seven star systems away, General Lance Reynolds saw the same images displayed on his monitor. He chewed vigorously on his cigar. The report wasn't what he had expected. Colonel Terry Henry Walton, the man in the image, looked back and forth between the screen and something to his left. Ominous sounds accompanied the image. The first mission wasn't what we contracted for, Nathan, Terry yelled at the portable console that sat with a sideways tilt. He stared at a point off screen, shook his head, and continued. My first stop when I get off this rock is at Dandy President's office while ring his pencil neck to get our 30% bonus and 70% kicker. And then I'm leveling his fucking palace. Can you sell this with what you have, Lance asked. Yes, sir, Terry replied. I already told you once, call me Lance. No can do, General. Can't have you thinking I've grown soft just because I've been a pseudo-civilian for over 150 years. Hang on. Terry's smile evaporated as he looked off screen, his lip curling involuntarily. Shoot him, he shouted. The crack of handheld railguns answered. Terry stabbed his finger at something neither Nathan nor Lance could see. Not that one, the other one, Terry corrected. More cracks from the hypervelocity weapons. Terry nodded and flipped the bird. Fuck you, buddy, and your stupid-looking stockhead. Terry turned back to the screen. Where were we? Something about you intending to level our client's palace, Nathan said coldly. After we're paid, that is. Hang on. Terry looked off screen again, flinched with something, and started yelling. Why won't you die? Would someone kill that thing? Terry continued to watch off screen. The rapid, a rapid barrage followed. Then a brief silence and finally a blast that nearly threw the colonel off his feet. Laughing, Terry brushed his uniform jacket with his free hand. Come back from that one, you blue fuck. Sorry, General. Nathan, there's about a hundred times more of these crawly bastards than we were led to believe. Mano a mano ain't working. For every one we pop, five more appear in its place. Gotta run. We need to lop the head off this dragon. Have your people call my people and we'll do lunch. Terry saluted and ran off screen. Plasma beams cut through the spot where the colonel had just been standing. I'll call our least favorite client right now and tell him to stand the fuck by. I'm coming for a visit, Nathan growled, eyes flashing yellow as his anger changed his wear form, or anger charged his wear form. He tamped down the urge to change into a precolici, an upright walking werewolf. He didn't have the luxury of tearing up the universe. He was in charge and had passed the mantle of bad company door kicker in chief to Terry Henry Walton. Lance Reynolds stroked his chin as he thought about the man who looked happy to be in the middle of a battle, seemingly raging out of control. New scene? Terry made mental notes of the battlefield as he ran from one position to another. He'd brought all six of the shuttle pods carrying the tactical teams, which still put his direct action branch of the bad company in an inferior position. Run and gun, we need to run and gun, Terry shouted at the angry red sky. He adjusted his helmet as it, as it slipped backward. He worked his shoulders to loosen his ballistic vest, too, as he subconsciously considered a running battle, with rapid action and constant movement. But they couldn't. They came under fire the second they ran off the dropships. The shuttles had buttoned up and taken off immediately afterwards to hold a position out of range of the big guns, or rockets, or mortars. Terry wasn't sure about the enemy's weapons, only caring about what he had to do to take them out. His tactical teams were made up of werewolves, were-tigers, vampires, and enhanced humans. They had centuries of experience and were best at making surgical strikes, small teams inserting behind enemy lines. They weren't immortal, only enhanced by nanocytes, technology taken from Cartharian scientists. 
They were still human, but different. Terry would never say their enhancements made them better. He would say that their minds and their teamwork made them better. They believed that they trained hard to make war anticlimactic. Where's Caden with my mechs? Terry shouted over the explosions. Sharamati, his purple-eyed werewolf wife, put a finger to her ear as she used her internal comm chip to talk with her son. Terry had a chip, too, but he didn't want to lose focus on the battle as it raged on all sides of their position. This is the most fucked up thing I've ever been a part of, he growled. He clenched his jaw, the muscles stood out of his face, and a vein throbbed in his forehead. He carried a Gene Duke special pistol in one hand and his Mameluke sword in the other. The pistol was dialed to five out of a maximum of eleven. He's over the hill to the right. The fireworks you see are from his section, Char relayed. Can he get through their lines? Char's eyes unfocused for a moment, then she shook her head. Terry slid his sword over his shoulder and into its scattered, strapped under his backpack. He took his pistol in both hands and dialed it to eleven. Order a tactical retrograde to our position. We're breaking through right over there. Terry pointed to a heavily wooded area covering the top of a hill. Joseph, where the hell are you? Terry asked out loud before switching to his comm chip. Powered by human energy, with a little extra boost from the etheric dimension, the comm chips allowed the group to talk with each other. It also translated a vast number of human and alien languages into English. The Bad Company's direct action branch had only had the comm chips for a few weeks and weren't yet accustomed to them or how best to optimally employ them. We're where you saw us last, but we're dug in better. My people are burning through their ammunition. It's like an endless tide. I'm not sure we have enough bullets to kill them all, jo Joseph reported. Have you tried not shooting them? The first punch got close, and you know Fitzroy isn't afraid to break into pugilist form. These things rammed him and bit the holy hell out of him before we could blow their stock heads off. He said punching them was like hitting a tree trunk. I wailed on one with my sword. I'll second his observation. It took a lot to cut through that neck. I don't recommend we devolve into hand-to-hand. -hand. Joseph and Patricia were vampires, exceptionally strong and fast. If you had a problem with the Tiskers, then we're fucked if we run out of ammo, Terry replied. Where are my goddamn mechs? Coming, Caden replied. Enhanced by nanocytes, Terry and Char's adopted son was in charge of the small mech section. Powered one-person armor suits. They were the tanks of the Etheric Federation. Bigger target beating while delivering their fair share of death and destruction. Terry thought he could feel the ground shaking as the mechs pounded their way toward him, since they drew an inordinate amount of incoming fire. Kay and the other three mechs of his team were on their way. Get down, Terry bellowed at Christina. She was standing and blasting away at a small mob of incoming tiskers. Fuck these guys, she yelled over her shoulder, sounding too much like Terry Henry himself. She was still angry about not being able to change into her preclichy form. Might as well hide inside a mech, she mumbled. Might as well, now stay down, Terry shouted. There are snipers in the back of that mob. Terry ran behind her position, bearing his speed and zigging at odd times. He dove behind cover and crawled the last few meters to reach her. She fired one last time and bent down, keeping her eyes above a small berm so she could watch. Terry kneeled next to her and looked out. I know how powerful and well-trained you are. You wouldn't be out here if you weren't. But if one of these Tisker slugs hit you in the head, you'll be dead, just like any of us. I really don't want to tell your parents that I got their daughter killed. Christina glanced toward Terry. I've never had to sit back and wait to get attacked. It's a little frustrating. Terry laughed out loud. No shit. That makes you one of us. We all fucking hate this. Trench warfare sucks Mongo Bistock balls, if I got the expression right. Never heard it before, but I get your meaning. I think I'll use that. Christina leaned over the berm, fired twice, and returned to watching. Nice shot, Terry said, as the tisker's stock head turned into a blue mist from the impact of the hypervelocity dart. Christina smiled and nodded slowly. Don't doubt that you're one of us, Christina, and don't doubt us. We dropped in the middle of a shitstorm. We're going to figure this out, roll up these blue fucks, and end this war.
then we're going to look at what we did wrong to put ourselves in this position, and that's on me. It's my fault that we're ass-jammed inside a circle jerk. So stay down. Think about how bad I'd feel if you got killed. How bad you'd feel. Terry slapped her on the shoulder. Welcome aboard. Now kill those two so I can get going. And there you have it. That was incredible. I loved it. Oh my gosh. All right, so just like you, I'm going to head on over to Amazon right now and grab myself a free copy of Bad Company 1 by Craig Martell. You just heard him read it to you, so now you get on over there and grab yourself a copy. Don't forget to also follow him on his website, craigmartell.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, leave us a rating, uh, and then tune in next week with another author, another story, and another sample chapter. Have a safe and wonderful 4th of July, everybody. Bye.